I'm just going to make uh, a quick recommendation for everybody. That's all. <gasps> Wanted to. There we go. Well, you could you could call this it's a pride of place. You, you you could call that a biography, because uh, that is part of the true canon of Carl Jung's personal myth. That is its relevance. That's its containing vessel as well. But anyway, where was I? Welcome back, everybody, to Young to Live By. Now, it's coming up to Christmas season. It's coming up to New Year's season. Of course, around this time of year, we start to reflect on ourselves, on others, and where we're going in life. So, of course, the most important thing in life is depth psychology, without a shadow of a doubt. So I thought it would be a productive conversation to have, which is almost like a starter kit that you see on Reddit and websites like that. Where do we begin with depth psychology? Well, um, it depends whether you start within the canon of depth psychology or you actually follow a path that brings you to it. Ultimately, you'll have to go outside of it. It's um, a very specialised lens in and of itself. Uh, Pauline will probably mention some things to do with that shortly, but if you want to look at depth psychology, I would say don't look at Eric Neumann. <laughs> I'm sorry if that's controversial, but don't bother with Eric Neumann. What you want is... Henri Ellenberger's book, The Discovery of the Unconscious, published in 1970. Absolute classic from within the whole field. Not something specific to a particular byway within the Jungian canon as such. It will give you everything you need as the foundation uh, to look at the evolution of depth psychology itself. Because the discovery of the unconscious, for what it is, is the discovery of depth psychology and is the development of depth psychology in and of itself. So don't bother Eric Neumann's book. No, the um, uh, discovery of the unconscious is truthful, factual, based. Uh, whereas uh, I remember the origins and history of consciousness. I read that twice, you know, actually. Why? I don't know. But I remember like the third part in that is incredibly depressing. I was, I remember, I was sitting there on the train read it page after page I'm like I have no idea what this is I, have no, I still have no idea what it is to be absolutely fair yeah. it's a whole bunch of silliness then in the final part it's like we're all going to die well, like, well that's nice thank you <laughs> appreciate that evident, isn't it? Yeah. but I presume you say, say the same thing about when you, when you normally google Jungian psychology or depth psychology you come across the same few names you do you Neumann, do. Edinger even yeah. Jung's collected works it's like you're saying don't start there yeah Yeah. Well, Neumann's book is out of date it's, mm. it's out of date in so many ways it's actually a regressive thing to engage with that think of it as a historical curiosity if you like within the Jungian canon but the information in it is largely wrong even where it's supposed to be factual it's completely outdated don't bother with it but Henri Allenberger's book is still really really good so that would be the place that uh, I would recommend people to go um, oh, in case people are interterested in, mm. in that particular crit critique that comes from um, Anthony Stevens yeah. where the, the, the core based very quickly the core thesis in that particular book in, in Neum Neumann's book um, ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny and Anthony Stevens comes along and goes that's not true and we know that's categorically not true yeah. which means it's just a nice story or a depressing story doesn't really have any value at the moment yes yeah uh, plus really you need an up to date definition of what consciousness is and where it comes from within the brain, within neuroscience. And mm. specifically, I would recommend uh, neuropsychoanalysis and the work of Mark Solms and the late uh, Jak Pangsep, um, who was a genius in many respects mm. and an unrecognized one, but that's changing. So, yeah, look at contemporary neuropsychoanalysis and then work backwards. And that's particularly relevant if you want to study the work of Freud. 
rather than necessarily going first to some of the classic texts, I would go to where neuropsychoanalysis is now and then work backwards. It makes far more sense to do that. Mm. Um, for example, uh, Solms's paper on the id knows things that the ego doesn't, which you can, you can uh, obtain online, is an excellent um, neuroscience update of Freud's model and the mapping of Freud's model mm. onto the brain. Of course, it's yet to be done for young, but we're involved in the neuropsychoanalytic movement, mm -hmm. and um, we will be working towards doing that. But that mm. will be the place to start there. But as I say, everybody's journey is personal, and you know, I have a personal journey through this. I, I have people who have influenced me, other than young or contemporaneously with young. Um, and my own interests, rather like young's, are very wide. It, it goes into comparative religion, mythology, history, and so forth, uh, art. Uh, all of these things you need to know. Anything which is st a stimulus for creativity, basically, and, and mm. for human endeavour. All of these things are the natural territory, the natural ecology for depth psychology. Because mm, the depth psychology is, in, in the broadest terms, like the study of human experience, yeah. which means your active study of the studying is depth psychology in and of itself. It is. Which means it's a field which is very difficult to actually classify. But I, I completely agree. It's like mythology versus history, personally, and I think we've spoken about this before, history is probably more useful to a depth psychologist yes. than mythology even is, which mm. probably sounds incredibly strange to hear. But it's like yeah. history happened and history is still happening and history is rooted in biology truly and it's the story of the DNA that led to you. Mythology is just an abstracted story that has resonance with that history that led yeah. up to you. But yeah. uh, the, 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 there's always more to learn then on th those fronts. But in terms of like, you know, ROI, I mean, you've gone into where to, where to start with Freud, which would be like Mark, Mark Solms and how he's had to get that general grounding in um, the discovery of the unconscious. Um, what about someone like, you know, we talk about Freud, Adler, Jung, what about someone like Adler? Well, yeah, there are a number of, uh, of works that are available. We could put some links, couldn't we? In, Absolutely. In the, yeah. Um, Adler's hugely important. We have discussed him before. Um, you need to study all three. Again, we've, we've discussed that before. So I think we've, if we put some links into the... Um, into the description yeah, if that would help to access some of his work but for things like the neurotic constitution and individual psychology um, and there, there are many works really of Adler that are useful to look at the problem is of course it's such a vast topic and vast subject that you could spend your entire life as a historian just studying those three uh, and never actually produce anything yourself uh, that, that's original, which is why it's important also to go into art and, and into creativity more broadly. Mm. Um, I, I had certain books that influenced me when I, when I was when I was younger, from the early 70s. I've still got them on, on my bookshelf, alongside my second copy of Man and His Symbols. My first one fell apart. The one I've still got is from 1977, and... Um, that, that's up there with some of my treasured books mm. uh, that were influential in my own development. But you would find books on mythology, uh, but books on history, uh, on art, anthropology, all of these different studies which were hugely important for, mm. in my own developments. Mm. Mm. I guess it depends whether you want a career in it yeah. or, or you're really just looking at it to, to develop yourself in yeah. some way. Um, and obviously people live full and rich lives without ever yes. visiting yeah. depth psychology at they do. all they do. and um like yeah. you say steve you could you can do it 
through all sorts of creative mediums as well. I mean, I, I personally find, for example, the study of anatomy and physiology absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it's another um, side of it. it. It is another side of it, yeah. and um, it, it's a largely omitted side, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, there's so, so much to learn just about that. Yeah. Um, in in that sense, you know, it's these things are open to everyone. All these, the books that we have here exist, mm. and uh, you know, you you can take your pick, can't you? Whether can. you like you say you want to look at psychology or history or mythology or art or like I say, how the body works. Yeah. E everything that you learn will add into your understanding, yeah. without yeah. a doubt. And the the broader you're reading, the better actually. Yeah, you, you need a renaissance mindset. You do, mm, yes. I would say. Yes, definitely. Deaf psychology is a renaissance discipline. In That's the sense that... a renaissance man, isn't it? On Discord, on the Discord. Yeah. The Discord. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can join by clicking the link down below. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, indeed. And I've always had that handle right back to the yes. mid-90s when, when the internet Very was getting so. going. I've always yes. used that. That's always been my model. Yeah. Uh, the idea cool. of being self-generated as much as possible that you create yourself through your own study. Yes. Um, that that for me is the important thing, and uh, very much into um, the classical and Hellenistic and Roman era, uh, the classical period, if you like, of, of Western civilization, uh, as being the foundation for everything that we have that's of value in the West. Um, so that's, that's a very important motif for me mm. personally. Mm. Just just to ground this slightly, because we're going to get lots of questions about this. Mm. We've covered Freud and Adler, we've not actually covered Jung. And people are always, you probably get this in DMs yeah. all the time, what yeah. books do you recommend, recommend by Jung? Yeah. So in the, uh, in the context of what you've just said, you don't need to. It's bespoken, it's nuanced. But if someone's so inclined, mm -hmm. yeah. would you point them in a particular direction? Yes, I would, yeah. Uh, without doubt, there are two works that you must have. Uh, Memories, Dreams, Reflections is autobiography, and Man and His Symbols. Mm. And you actually don't need anything else to get you going. Those two mm. are sufficient, mm. because both are statements by Jung himself at the end of his life about the meaning of his work in the context of his life. Uh, and he's very, very clear about it in Memories, Dreams, Re Reflections, that that work in particular is his public account of his personal myth. Mm. If you want to understand Jung, you must understand his context. Don't understand uh, a fantasy about it. Uh, w the kind of thing which is prevalent on the internet at the moment, pushed by internet entrepreneurs and uh, manner-type personalities mm. out there. Go to the primary sources, the original sources, uh, but in particular those two works. Uh, that will give you the compass to understand everything else. And then when you encounter his collective mm. works, Follow them from the beginning, as he himself intended and suggested that you should. Go right back to Volume 1, yeah. Psychiatric Studies, Volume 2, Experimental Researches. Those two, before you go anywhere near Ion or anything like that, go to those two. And there's the Finger Lectures as well uh, from his university mm. days, which are supplementary uh, volume from uh, the collected works. I don't know if these are very uh, popularly known. I don't think so, actually. This is a very slim volume, but this is... I don't know if we can see that. Can we zoom in on this? We can always do a little bit right. of editing, and people are seeing the editing right now. Good. Yeah, this will give you a lot of information about his mindset before he got into medicine. Uh, and from this, you will be able to pick up on the influences on him uh, in his background, which are absolutely seminal on how he developed his ideas. So something like that will be important. Mm -hmm. 
obviously uh, for those of you guys who are into Nietzsche there's uh, volume mm. one and vo volume two of uh, Jung's analysis of Zarathustra mm -hmm. this will take you a long time just to plough through this if you think it's worth it if you think it's worth the effort of doing that isn't the seminar incomplete as well Yes, there's a lot more papers um, to do with, with Nietzsche's works and other seminar uh, notes as well. There's one on dream analysis here, and there are others that have come up. Mm. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to look at. Mm. So, we, I mean, we've spoken about the uh, the influences and early supporters of IPSA, and uh, yeah. you guys, of course, Fran Franchin being one yeah. of them. But, you know, we've got characters like Ernest Rossi, yes. uh, Anthony Stevens. Yeah. Would you recommend guys dive into any of their works? And if so, any in particular? Ooh, yeah, with with, um, with George Engel, which from our perspective, you know, he's seminal because he provides the um, the framework for how we practice. It's important to understand a few things about him. He was a psychoanalyst, a Freudian psychoanalyst, who had an interest in how psyche and soma, mind and body, interacted and produced disease, and then how you could work with somebody at many, many different levels simultaneously to change disease processes, including psychological disorders. So look up George Engel, Professor George Engel, on the internet and read his papers. That's the mm -hmm. best advice I can give on that. That will give you an objective framework. But bear in mind, he was a Freudian psychoanalyst, uh, so he did understand the psyche. And as the guys probably know, um, he supported Pauline and I in 1990, or from 1990 until his death in 1999, um, very favourably. And he didn't hold this against us that we were into Jung, even though he was into Freud. That wasn't what was important to him. Uh, a great guy, a really great guy, highly respected uh, by, by us. Rossi, who was Ernest Rossi, sadly recently uh, deceased, um, if you look him up on the internet, you'll be able to get a huge amount of papers which show mm. how advanced that guy was. Mm. And he was both a Freudian and a Jungian analyst and the editor of the collective papers of Milton Erickson on hypnosis and the psychobiologist and the professor of neuroscience. Very impressive. In, in, in our view, he's a genius or was, was a genius. He was well ahead of his time. He's so actually. far ahead, mm. so far ahead that we're probably not going to catch up um, to him fully for maybe another 30 years. Mm. It will take a, a generation of therapists who can integrate mm. neuroscience and depth psychology and hypnosis from this moment onwards, a whole generation before we'll even begin to see uh, the wider implications of his work. Although we've been using his work for nearly 30 years and he was a, a supporter of our work. Uh, in particular of the uh, the breakthrough that, that Paul and I made uh, with respect to the role of carbon dioxide regulation mm -hmm. and acid-base disorders in psychosomatic conditions and in the uh, etiology and pathology of Jungian complexes. Mm -hmm. So uh, an incredible guy. Uh, Anthony Stevens, anything you can get hold of by him uh, is good. Pretty um, much, actually, yeah, you're right. Uh, mm. Anything. Mm. Um, as I think I mentioned in another uh, video, he, he is now because of the passage of time something of a transitional figure um, a transitional from an orthodox Jungian into the new generation of depth psychologists uh, who are emerging now and have been emerging for 20-25 years uh, who are concerned with neuroscience with biology evolutionary theory and so on but he was one of the first 
and one of the best and an early supporter of Pauline and I and of what we were doing with George Engel's work with respect to Young uh, and also the work of uh, people at Charing Cross Hospital in London as well. He supported our integration mm -hmm. of that. Um, highly respect him, really, really do, and, and that respect will, will live on forever. He's a really great guy. Anything you can get by him. And he wrote a really good biography on Young, I'll just show you. Mm. One of the best. It's one of the best because it's practical. On Young by Anthony Stevens. So if you can still get this, it, it is hard to get, but if you can get it, this guides you through Jung's life in terms of Jung's own model, and it's an analysis of that. He doesn't really touch on some of the critiques. He's, he's quite kind to him, but it's still a really good book because it does show how you need to address the phenomenon of Carl Jung in terms of the development of his own model and his own personal myth. Hugely important work in, in, in my view. Why are at the uh, shelf then, Steve? Because people are probably interested. Have you got yeah. any of those books you mentioned that were an influence on yourself that yes. aren't necessarily classic yeah. psychology? Yes, um, I have. Um, of course, is, uh, is, is my tatty copy oh, yes. of Man and His Symbols. <laughs> That's the first thing I'm going to get. This one is, uh, I dated it, as you can see on there, James. It's 1977, the year I'm not sure even existed. Oh, it it did. <laughs> I think it might do, yeah. Two, uh, two pounds 95 this cost in 1977. Yes, yeah, so this with Memories, Dreams, Reflections, definitely before you touch anything else with respect to Carl Jung, for the reasons I mentioned earlier, huge, um, huge influence on me. Uh, I can't overstate how important I think this book is if you're studying depth psychology. This, this is a huge, hugely significant introduction. Uh, superb. Some of the other books you mentioned, James, mm. uh, that personally have uh, influence on me. This one by Mike and Nancy Samuels from, uh, again, 1974, this one. Seeing with the mind's eye. This was a really good book with respect to the use of imagery, meditation, techniques, things like that. Uh, and again, if you can get it, it's a classic, uh, and I would highly recommend it. Um, I used to take this into the police station. Sorry if that's in front of you, James. <laughs> You're tall, you can right. raise yourself up. I used to take this into the police station and uh, annoy my sergeants and inspectors because I was reading weird things, which of course just encouraged me all the more. Uh, but they obviously gathered from the fact I was reading stuff like that and was serious about it that I wasn't particularly serious about being a police officer and they were dead right. Um, but yeah, excellent book. And another one from the same period, The Roots of Consciousness by Jeffrey Meshlove, who is still on the internet. He's still active today. In a proper library here. Ah, proper library, there you go. Another really good book. Carl Jung's mentioned in here that there's all sorts of... Um, techniques and methods and analyses of uh, using imagery, uh, art, creativity, that kind of thing. Parapsychology, which is another important uh, thing to get yourself into if you're studying young. Uh, so these were three of the, the, the sort of uh, seminal uh, works that I really focused on and uh, that's why they're so dog-eared because I, I was uh, never really putting them down. So yeah, excellent, excellent mm. books. What about yourself, Pauline? You've been awfully quiet. <laughs> Well, I guess my contribution will be different, really, because my my sort of journey's been different to yours, mm. hasn't it, Steve? Although, obviously, yeah. it, it overlaps as well. Um, 
I don't even know if you can still get this. I'll pop it on there for a minute. Mm. Mental Disorder by Jack Little. And it's a good basic psychiatric textbook, probably one mm. of the best. And, uh, you know, I think I have seen it recently, actually, on... Um, might have been Amazon. I'm not sure whether they're, they're new copies or um, you know you can only get them second hand but it is a particularly good yeah. psychiatric mm -hmm. textbook and whilst I wouldn't want anyone to sort of kind of look at it and try and diagnose themselves. No, it no. Is, he's obviously, um, I mean he's, he's well versed in all the various psychological theories as well which is quite, certainly for, for the day, was probably quite unique actually mm. but also um, his application of the theory in the context of it what would have been then a modern day psychiatric unit is, is really very interesting because a lot of stuff about basic care and everyday activities and how all those kinds of things were managed and taken care of. Mm. And I haven't really found anything to surpass that. No, it's In, just in really that good. specific genre anyway. Yeah. He mentions so, Jung too, doesn't he? Yes, he does actually. Yes, there's quite a bit about Freudian defence mechanisms as well. Yeah. And, uh, it's yeah, it's just a, a very good overall psychiatric textbook if you think you may be of working in that field mm. maybe that you know that's the direction you're about to go in mm. so definitely that one uh the other one that steve's just handed to me is uh we've mentioned this before yeah. on other podcasts haven't we yeah one of yeah. the favorite books of the channel I yeah think. probably yes yeah. coming together coming apart by johnny destian who started out as uh, a divorce lawyer and then became uh, a Jungian analyst and uh it's it's technically it's theoretical in part isn't it mm. it's quite technical in part because there's a, a lot of stuff in there um about alchemy but it's also there's a lot of case studies as well and and he relates the alchemical process really well to what happens between uh, couples in relationships but usually when things go wrong and um given that he's got a background as a divorce lawyer it kind of makes an interesting read but it, it's practical as well mm. Very, very, very practical. Very, very which, practical. You know, at the end of the day, if, if, if things don't actually impact your everyday life, it's hard to say what the value of yes. them is. So that that I, I would definitely flag up. I mean, we've we've sort of referred to it a lot, haven't we, we over the years? Over the years, we used yes. to actually prescribe that book, didn't we? We would to, do. To couples yes. back in the 1990s. Yes. Yes. Again, yeah. before the internet, they'd yeah. send them off to the local bookshop, and there were loads on the shelf because so yeah. many people were coming in, weren't they? Because oh, yes. you know, because of the fact we'd mm. referred them to go there, and yeah, th that would be like a basic framework, wouldn't it, to it understand the, the depth psychology of relationship mm. issues? Yeah, yeah. So it's an excellent book and um, practical alchemy. Yes, yes, which is In how a it psychological should be. Sense, yes, yeah. yeah. So you know, okay, you you get the allegory of alchemy as, as such woven into it but but what does that actually mean for relationships and yeah. uh, how can how can you understand them in that context and it's very very good it's unique actually it is unique, I think it's a yeah. unique work really Ooh. yeah yeah so definitely those two um gosh what else you got uh, women, women who run with the wolves uh, yes i mean oh. i've kind of uh push that a lot I'll just see if I can find it first it's significant book though isn't it it is a significant yeah. book yeah um although I do like I do like my anatomy and physiology textbooks and I must be honest yeah we do we do mention this one a lot don't we women who run with the walls by Clarissa 
Pinkola Estes, I think you pronounce it's it. another uh, dog-eared book as well. It, it, it is, and it with all sorts of little bookmarks <laughs> and things in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the beauty of it for me is, is that you can open it at any page mm. and, and find something of value on that page. You don't have to read it cover to cover. And, I mean, we've actually... Although it's women who run with the walls, we've encouraged quite a few men to read it as well, haven't we? Yeah, because of the instincts. Because of the instincts. Yes. And, and um, she's probably one of the few Jungian authors that I've found that actually addresses instincts properly. Yeah. Mm. And a lot of that, I think, is to do with her background and where she grew up and her connection to nature and so on. So she's always factored that into her work and her writing and... It's given coming back now, now that we're sort of involved with the, the neuroscience and uh, um, Mark Solm's work, it's revivified this book for me. It's given mm. me a, a, almost a different or a new appreciation of it. I mean, I've always valued it, but that really brings that work now really We've brings it. We've had that over 25 we years. Have. We have, yeah. yeah. And, and you used yes. to prescribe that, didn't you, to, to women? One. Yes. And then you work with women's groups and, yeah. and others, so it was uh, yeah. really important. Yes, I mean, that's, it, I mean, there are other ones, but that stands out. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, there's so, so much in that. And the value, obviously, of, of storytelling, of fairy tales, uh, it, more than myths, even, and how healing they can be because of the way that they present solutions to things as well they don't just describe the situations that people find themselves in but they bring about that kind of completion that people are looking for when they're looking to solve problems in their lives so very very good uh, text for yeah. for women in particular but i think men can benefit from it too it's funny how you can see pauline through these three books actually oh because... i do apologize well i'm no, not no, bothered no. about no 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 about... Well, you <laughs> no no i didn't mean that oh. you've got instincts oh I relationships yeah. and medicine yes. which are free of her primary interests yeah and and art and art being, being mental or something when you pointed to, to that <laughs> mental one, like. <laughs> but, but, but this is like a, a very humanistic form of uh, addressing psychiatry mm. and that was the yes, way she the way she did it when she worked in both acute and chronic psychiatry that was yes. the way she was yeah she has a very strong interest in relationships and a very strong instinctive connection to human nature as well so it's so that's really that kind of sums her up for me, which is quite odd. Mm. Oh, and this one too. Uh, we're gonna to have to move on. Should we move Jack a little? Yeah. We'll put, we'll yes. put, we'll put Jack yeah. back. <laughs> this is a good one too. Yeah, it's another good ones. one. Practical Young by Harry Wilmer, a Jungian analyst as well. Um, I think he did a lot of uh, work with Vietnam vets, didn't he, did. he Steve, he did, as yeah. I recall? Yeah, post-traumatic stress Post -traumatic disorder. Post-traumatic stress disorder, yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's just, again, it's just a completely different kind of format in the way that it's laid out. And the, the drawings in it uh, are his own artwork. And um, it, as it's, the title suggests, it's a very practical book and a very practical way of, of working with Jungian ideas. And that was another one that I had with me when working in psychiatry, so that, that's another one that's quite close to my heart, yeah. really. Um, the series, TV series, which you can get on YouTube, Young, the Wisdom of the Dream, you can see Harry Wilmer working with Vietnam War vets. That's right, um, yeah. And he, again, was interested in real solutions yes. rather than fantasies. He was very based in today's mm -hmm. parlance. Uh, great guy, uh, someone else who's, who's influenced us greatly. And again, mm. this was a book that we would prescribe to yeah. patients. And yeah. also it was a set reading on our training courses yes. back in the 80s and 90s as well. Yeah, it's just nice to be able to have someone who's, who's summarised, okay, yeah. it's his own take on things. 
uh, sure, you know, which, which is it's absolutely good. fine. But yeah. um, again, it, it, it's very readable. You can flick through and just, you know, come in at any page and, you, and you'll learn something. So I, I quite like that. Yeah, really good stuff. Mm. Mm. And what's that one there, Lynn? Oh, well, this, this is a bit of a, a heavy one, really. This is uh, a colour atlas of human uh, anatomy. I can have to just tell that we one. We need more stands. Which I, which I won't open because it's a bit gruesome inside, really. Yeah. But I, I personally find it absolutely fascinating. Um, I think given that we we take a systems approach to yes. things, the idea of being able to go from... You know, the body is a piece of art almost, you know, um, that you can draw and sculpt and, and paint and um, you can be interested in any sort of the musculature and, and the... Just move that so we can see. Thank you. Um, the tendons and the ligaments and, and the organs within, but to be able to go from that right the way down to a cellular level, yeah. I find that absolutely mm. fascinating and yeah. obviously it's in keeping with how we, we look at things anyway and how we yeah. understand... Uh, human nature and, yep. and people as a whole and how we like to solve problems and yeah, yeah so I, for me I, I, could, I could never take that out of the equation no. I just find that no. absolutely fascinating no. and of course if you're trying to learn about the body so if you don't have to come in at that level or have something quite so explicit as that mm. I mean I've got things for example like I probably won't be able to get them out because they're right underneath a pile of books but things like the um, the colouring books the yeah. human anatomy anatomy colouring books which are the medical, physiology ones the training doctors they are so, you know, it says colouring book the series, yes they are serious yeah. books and I think there's one on your own as there well, is as yep, there is indeed yeah. which are just absolutely great because you can literally just learn whilst you're colouring them in if you're inclined creatively to colour things in then you know kill two birds with one stone so they they've been very good as well yeah, they're they very have. useful they have and that would give you a kind of, if you wanted to say, for example, study um, Rossi's work more closely, yeah. it would give you a yeah. backdrop to the basic yeah. anatomy and physiology for you to then sort of yeah. build on. Rossi works very much mind to molecules. Yes, he does. He, um, he does. I mean, it's more sophisticated again. No, 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 no. I'm yeah. saying he does that. He does. But yeah. there is the biology, there's the fundamental anatomy and physiology. Yeah. Yeah, the surface anatomy, the, the motor mechanical anatomy, yes. the, and yes. then the, the basic way that nerves work, That's and right. motor and sensory yeah. sense, and all of that's yeah. important. Which to is useful understand to understand. What's the, well, the chassis again? It isn't is. It, for everything it's the else. chassis. Yeah. yeah, and of course, beyond mind and molecule, there is the social environments as well. And yeah. this is where George Engel comes in mm -hmm. and extends Rossi into that, mm -hmm. uh, which is important. Aye, done it. <laughs> uh, these are three of the uh, the classic Rossi works. This is the first one I think we had, wasn't it? Yes, Mind body it therapy. Yes, yeah, it's probably the easiest of the three to get yeah. through, actually. Psychobiology yeah. of gene yeah. expression, which would be more James's field, being, oh, a, yes. being a molecular biologist. Really good as well. And the psychobiology of mind body healing. Yeah. Uh, as I say, Rossi has sadly passed, um, 19th of September uh, yeah. 2020. Uh, huge loss. Mm. Mm. But these are foundational texts mm. as well. Uh, unless someone wants to avoid the absolute truth, the absolute reality that mind and body are the same thing yeah. and they interact and communicate. Um, it's so important to understand mm. this if you're going to work as a therapist, otherwise you'll limit yourself down to being what we call psychoreductive, mm -hmm. which is just a nonsensical way of approaching the human condition. But this is all about real healing. 
right down to the level of the genome by using your mind and the bridge to do that is hypnosis this is why it's so powerful this is a lived life isn't it's a lived it? life yeah 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 well we're both into uh, into rossi um I would, I would approach it from the psychological side, and you'd probably approach it from the physiological probably. side, wouldn't you? Yes, probably. That, and we'd meet in the middle. We, well, one hopes so. Yes, one hopes so. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're pretty good books. They are excellent. Yeah. You can get a lot of Rossi's papers online as well. Mm. And probably PDFs of some of these, but if you want them in book form, the, these are the ones. There are other books. This is the, the latest. Sadly, they're all, they're all passing the grades. Jay Haley. Uh, uncommon therapy. This is Milton Erickson applied to family therapy uh, and under the broad umbrella of strategic therapy. Another absolute genius. Um, again, foundational. If you're going to work as a clinical therapist with families beyond just, um, say, relationships, this is the must book to have. And it will link very cl closely with Rossi's work, actually, just at a different level. Uh, of analysis, description and explanation because both Rossi and Jay Haley work with Milton Erickson. Milton Erickson is the connection between the two. Um, hypnosis as a modality of therapy is much misunderstood. It is the original psychotherapy. Um, and psychotherapy, as, as we understand it now, has two birth parents. We've, we've said this before on the channel. Mm -hmm. One is medicine, specifically neurology. And the other is hypnosis. They are the two authentic parents of psychotherapy. Uh, and Milton Erickson is probably the greatest hypnotherapist who's ever lived at a psychological level. Rossi, I would argue, has gone much further, uh, but his genius is not fully understood yet. But this is the social application, if you like, the interpersonal application of Milton Erickson's ideas. Uh, with strategic focal brief therapy that is outcome orientated rather than theory, rather than rumination, rather than fantasy. This is doing something for real and it's hugely important. I'd add two other books to that. Um, You'll be breaking everybody's wallets, I think. <laughs> this is by Bandler and Grinder. Oh, patterns one and two. Patterns one and two. Volume 1, Volume 2, The Founders of Neuro-Linguistic Programming. So basically, the, these co basically these cover uh, language patterning, which is incredibly important. Uh, the application of Noam Chomsky's transformational grammar to understand how to communicate and how to generate imagery and the communication being very, very deep structure rather than surface structure in the mind. Uh, excellent. So whatever you think of NLP, as it subsequently developed, these two volumes taken together with this, with Jay Haley's book, and then with Rossi's works, even before you go anywhere near Milton Erickson's original collected papers, which I would argue you don't actually have to do if you pick the right books, mm. um, you will gain a huge amount of technical skill, real-world skill, from properly ingesting these works and then working with other people. Mm. Hugely valuable. Mm -hmm. I'm collecting lots of their products. <laughs> oh, I no. am indeed. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to take these all back now. No, you don't. I, I will, of course. Oh, I will. There you go. I'll hand over to my lady wife. While you're not looking, Steve. While I'm not looking. Yeah, life types. Oh, right. <laughs> we 
which version is that? Is that uh, that's the, the yeah, that's the updated one. one. Do you want me to get the old no, version? No, no, as well? no, no. Okay, I'll come back again. Then. Updated's fine. Yeah. Well, we found it's that probably, and we've got a lot of books on typology, haven't we? Yes, we have. Um, again, another one that we would recommend to patients on a regular basis, really, if they wanted to get a handle on it to get to grips with it. Um, having said all of that, obviously we've we've kind of moved away from theory to our own empirical observations of, of typology, which tend to be more useful. But nonetheless, if you if you do want to read about it, it's probably again one of the most user friendly yeah, versions it of it, isn't it? Yes, it is. The, some of, some uh, books are very technical, and uh, I'm not sure how updated this one is actually, uh, because the, yeah. the Myers Briggs has changed a it number has. of times. Yes, yeah. I don't uh, think it will be. I don't think it's got those modifications in it actually. No, it's the original, that. is it? I think yeah, so. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, but Myers Briggs has mm. changed, and yeah. it's changed in such a fundamental way. It falls into a nice, neat little quaternity it now does. of opposites. And yeah. how how dainty and quaint is that? When <laughs> in the real world, you never meet anything like that unless you yeah. force that structure upon somebody. Mm. Any understanding of biological variability will show that that kind of thinking is nonsense. Yeah. Or is you're you're just making sort of the the, the error bars so wide that it then yeah. becomes sort of silly. Yeah. 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 That's pretty much how it is. Yeah. But it would give you an overview. If, yes. If you just again, just as a compass on the compass of the MBTI, then it. Oh will, yeah, for sure. It Sorry will inform that. you. You know, it's just a case of having a language. If other people are talking about this kind of thing, yeah. it would be a good introduction. It would. And again, we used to prescribe this for patients. We did. And it was a set book on yes. training courses. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the most common, I mean, we were asked all the time, when we're doing it, about you know books that someone should read. But one of the most common topics is typology. Yeah. Yes. What resources do I go to? And I'm always there mm. like, uh, you know, like understand the cognitive functions. And they're like, well, how, 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 how do I do that? Mm. Um, it's difficult. Is there anything else around typology that you would recommend just off the top well, of your head? What about you, Paul? We've got tons, haven't oh, we, God, of different we've got perspectives. So, so much um, of it, really. Um, and some of it gets a bit sort of hairy-fairy, doesn't it, when you get into things like dancing the wheel. This is now. Yeah, dancing the oh, wheel of psychological types, for example. Yeah. Um, Have you got Sposo's book there? No, it's not. I think it's in your pile, not mine. Well, in your on your shelves, it's our my, shelves. It's my age there. There we go. Yeah. Jung's typology and perspective. This guy's still quoted quite a lot by informed people on typology. Yeah. And then there's uh, Joe Wheelwright's book. Yeah. Oh, uh, not specifically about typology, is it? But, no, it isn't. Um, this guy was uh, a bit of an outlier uh, because he was an extroverted, intuitive with feeling. Yeah. Um, and he, with his wife Jane and a chap called Gray, created the very first Jungian type test called the Gray Wheelwright Scale, mm -hmm. which is very hard to get. Uh, we have it, um, and it's, uh, it's issued on our training courses. Mm. But this guy is a wonderful raconteur and he uses feeling properly and he uses his intuition does. properly doesn't he yeah uh, very warm very warm in interview uh, the late joe wheelwright uh, mm -hmm. again mm -hmm. you can see him being interviewed on young the wisdom of the dream on youtube mm -hmm. yes um i would i would highly recommend yeah. you look at this guy's work if, if you want a, a warm and, and feeling jungian style relationship mm -hmm. As a man, this is a really good uh, guy to model yourself upon. Yeah. 
uh, didn't take himself seriously, but he was serious. He was serious inside, but warm and open in his relating. Mm. Uh, a good man, a good man. Well, he he was drawn to it because he had difficulties in his own marriage, didn't he? And with he Jane, wanted, yeah. With, with his wife, Jane, and he wanted his marriage to work. And for him, this provided lots of solutions to that. Yeah. I mean, we often say these days, don't we, that with respect to typology, that in and of itself, it's not enough. Mm. To to mm. do it properly, it's it's so much more nuanced than you'll find in any book, and you actually need to know a lot of other things to do it well. Mm. So it should always be in the broader context of uh, psychological work. Uh, and of course, we have to have this. Oh yeah. Of course, psychological types. Which is the original, and it's very interesting, not just for historical it's, purposes. This is probably closest. The, the, those Out two are, are close. Yeah. This is the theory, and this is the lived experience yes. of Young's original model, that, that, and that's important. Myers Briggs is, is the most popular uh, separation uh, from this, and it is a separation from it. It's important mm. to understand that. Mm. Uh, and Young never, never uh, authorized Myers Briggs, never recognized it, and was generally dismissive of type tests as being for beginners. He thought clinicians had to do it on the basis of meeting mm. um, the person that they were working with in the moment. Mm. But this is very, very interesting. Uh, if you want to understand Jung's personal myth, again, you need to understand this because that's why he wrote it. He wrote it to explain himself to himself and why he was different to both Freud and Adler as individual personalities and how they came to develop their own theories. That's the true origin of his type model. It's got nothing to do with the way it's presented on the internet now by the various type entrepreneurs out there. Um, they just talk drivel, a lot of them, frankly, because they haven't lived enough and haven't related enough to understand the nuances that emerge from repeated experience of working with people in depth over decades. It does take that, I'm afraid, to fully understand something. Mm. And that's no offence against younger people, because we all have to get that experience. Yeah. It has to come over time. There's no other way for it to happen, mm. I'm afraid. <laughs> Look at me like that. Well, don't look at me like that, then. Nice. Another good one by Anthony Stevens called Withy Mead, which was um, about a therapeutic, or is about a therapeutic community um, at the end of the, I think it was the first? Second World Second World War. War. Yeah, when he went there, it was the end of the When he World. actually went yeah. there, yeah. Um, and, again, it's... Um, probably a very personal book to me, again, because of my, my background in occupational therapy and my sort of quest when I was involved to bring creativity into psychiatry. Um, this was a unique place. This is a, pl a place where people could go to rehabilitate and they, and they would stay and um, with all sorts of mental health issues and they would be allowed to let their creativity run free to, to do whatever they needed to express themselves and to, and to get well. Um, and to kind of convalesce really mm. at the same time this idea of just taking yourself out of society into an environment that was was warm and supportive and encouraged creativity was probably highly significant and sadly you know modern day psychiatry doesn't really resemble anything like that it should do that should that should be the essence of what happens in psychiatric units but um my experience of it is 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 
that it's anything but that. But it's a book that, again, that's close to my heart for that reason, because it, it's just so inspiring and it's where... It's where modern day psychiatry should be at and yeah. how we've managed to sort of come from, from this to where we are today is, uh, I guess, a very sad indictment of the times that we live in. But um, it's, a, it's a book worth looking at. It's, it's oh, a, well, an intro, it is. Well, it's um, the value of creativity uh, as a Definitely, definitely. Um, yes. And then all of that psychology comes through from that. All of it, all the creativity that is considered normal when it's not pathologised yes. is put into a proper perspective. Mm. And again, very much of our training courses in the second year, mm. uh, this kind of material is utilised. So we, we develop people's creativity and their mm. conscious enactments, yes. if you like, or interaction with the psyche in depth to really develop themselves. And that was mm. used that way. Mm. And Anthony Stevens is just amazing, you know, still uh, yes. uh, super respect him yes. and, and his contributions yeah. to the field. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was so encouraging to us and, yes. and so so open mm. uh, in his in his support and encouragement. And yeah. the, there was no sort of professional rivalries no. or anything no. like that. It's the thing that stood out for me that yeah. it, it was a case of, well, if you can you know take some of my ideas and you can develop them on that's mm. absolutely fine and mix it with george um, angle yes, and peter nixon yes, and that yes. peter nixon being the, the guy showing cross to that and yeah. um yeah fantastic and said he was delighted things. that we, yeah. we were making a synthesis of you couldn't ideas. be more open than that could you no. really no no so that um that's another book that stands out to me and uh this little book, not really in and of itself, it's called Art Techniques Made Clear. Um, and it, did, it doesn't necessarily have to be this book particularly, but anything that will give you, if, if you are a, um, a budding artist, for example, or you you feel that you, you want to express, express your creativity um, through the medium of art, then it's useful to have something that, that gives you some structure sometimes because mm. a lot of people struggle with this. Well, I don't know where to start. I don't, I don't know what medium I'm drawn to. I don't know how to get you know a proper perspective on things. And anything, I think, again, that gives you a bit of a compass, yeah. a bit of a leg up is, is helpful um, because you might find then that what's within will have a vehicle to express itself and that's that's so important yeah. and uh, little books like that and not not just this but i'm thinking too of people like um probably a lot of people have heard of him because he's very popular bob ross mm. um somebody like that who i mean it's called his series which i think was late 80s early 90s yeah i think so roughly yeah. around yeah. that yeah. that time period um Called the joy of painting, and it's I uh, that idea of of connecting with your instincts of experiencing the joy of creating, and that's so valuable, so so valuable because you you will literally plumb those depths. And he does that, he's somebody actually having said it, it can be useful for some people to have structure, he paints purely from imagination. And so, for anyone who prefers to do yeah. it in that way, he's he's yeah. a he's a good guy to look at. Oh, indeed, at, really. and this this should be seen in the context of this. It should, yes, from a depth psychology perspective. That yes. that is a, a mm. technical basis. I think you're saying yes, with respect to what this can produce, right. both uh, as an applied therapy and in self development yes. as well. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Oh. 
but you can you can still find um the bob ross stuff on you on uh, youtube it's it's still out there and uh just fantastic stuff you can see you know how obviously his his way of doing it is unique to him but it it's um it allows you to actually create something relatively quickly yeah. you know even as a beginner yeah uh to tell you how to lay your palette out and what kind of colors to use and and how he uses the brushes he does in the way that he does and uh there is so many positive um and inspiring people out there yeah. that could help you to get going on this kind of thing. And the same will be true probably for, for people who write, like like you and James as well, I'm sure, yes. who, who yeah. inspire. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's probably a bit different for me. Mm. Um, inspiring writers for me mm. is, is a difficult one, yes. to be honest. I mean, I, I would look at people, believe it or not, like H.G. Wells. Yes. Uh, who inspired me when I was very young, uh, and, and even um, even this chap, Edgar Allan Poe. It's the collected works of yeah. Edgar Allan Poe. That uh, that image on the front, by the way, is someone being hypnotised at the point of death, in articulo mortis or mesmerised. That's how old the book was. The term hypnosis, or the story, the term hypnosis had not yet been invented, but mesmerism was understood. Um, and it's a fascinating depth psychology story in its own right. What would happen to somebody if they could be mesmerized or hypnotized at the point of death so their mind survived? And of course, being Poe, it turns into a nightmare that the guy's mind is trapped inside a decomposing corpse, uh, yearning for being, to be free, uh, and for the mesmerist to lift his soul out from his rotting corpse. Yeah, but that aside, uh, we used to um, used to print that that particular story and use that as an example of a cultural representation of hypnosis for uh, for our students. Again, back in the eighties and nineties, mm. that was just a, a a perchance to speak, you know, <laughs> on that topic. Yeah. Okay, two more in the Anthony Stevens canon that I would highly recommend: the original archetype and natural history of the self. He's updated it back in 1992, I think. But this is the original book. This is the one that got us into Anthony Stevens. And when we read this, there was no going back. This is 1982. At that time, I was being significantly um, influenced by Professor Stephen Rose from the Open University um, and his model that he called dialectical identity theory, which basically is saying the kind of thing that Mark Solms talks about now, where he calls it dual aspect monism, to mm. say that brain and mind are the same thing. Dialectical identity theory said exactly the same thing. It said the brain and mind are the same thing written in two different uh, separate technical languages and if you use the language of psychology you get one resolution you use the language of biology you get another but they're essentially the same thing opposite sides of the coin um, he also taught me Stephen Rose about systems thinking and that was so eye-opening and then this hit me uh, and it was like whoa there is no going back now um, I have the framework which is the systems model I have the, the way of blending the different explanatory languages, which came from Stephen Rose, and now we have a biological basis for Jung. And I've always been interested in neuroscience, always. Again, that was Stephen Rose's um, influence. Um, 
so this was was the door, wasn't it? That mm. re- really, for both of us, mm. that really opened it up. Pauline was always interested in medicine, and this again was a way of linking um, young to medicine, as indeed is this, which is really a, a evolutionary psychiatry by Anthony Stevens, uh, or he's one of the the two authors, the main author, and this is putting psychiatry into a Jungian evolutionary framework. Um, and then you get the breadth of Anthony Stevens by looking at Wivy Mead in the middle. This is the creative process. The creative process with biology and psychiatry linked together. That's the genius of the man before anyone else was doing it. Uh, and why he was such an influence to us. Uh, and why it was so wonderful to receive his support for what we were trying to do and did do. Um, so yeah, Anthony Stevens, bang on. The man, definitely, uh, as a transitional now, sadly, historical figure uh, between the old Jungian world and the Jungian world that is coming right now. Uh, fabulous, fabulous material. Mm. But, yeah. He's still alive too, isn't he? He's still alive, he's, he's retired, he's, he's living in yeah. Greece. Yes. Uh, we had some contact mm. with him a few years ago, which was nice after 25, 30 years since uh, our first contact with him, which is 30 years ago, 31 years ago now. Mm. Um, but yeah, he'd he'd retired. He lived in a beautiful um, farm and a manor house in Devon originally, uh, but he's retired to Greece, um, where some of his other interests are to do with the classical period of Western civilization, uh, and no doubt he feels that his his soul belongs there. And I will say yes, you are on that level. You are doing what they were doing way back in the Hellenistic period, that which the Renaissance tried to bring back into Europe, that idea of learning as much as you can and bringing it all together to understand the bigger picture. This man did for Jung and Jungian psychology. Without these kind of efforts, it would have gone down, it would have gone away and, and be, been treated as an irrelevance, which sadly some people do treat it as. But with this biological and creative foundation joined together, that provides everything that you need to build a 21st century interpretation of Carl Jung. Mm. I can't recommend him higher, mm. more higher than, than that, really. Brilliant. And a bit left of field, really. This is a little one for, for the ladies amongst us, and it's called Water and Sexuality by Michelle O'Donnell. And uh, it's a book I bought when I was pregnant with our son, Gareth. And again, as you might expect, there's a, there was a reason behind uh, buying it because of the overlap with, I guess, the way that we, we were living our lives and, and still do. Um, and he highlights the importance of, of water for women in giving birth, how uh, obviously archetypally it's connected with the, with the feminine, but women seem to be drawn to it anyway, instinctively. Um, and we actually paid him a visit didn't we, we? Did, yeah. um back in what 1993 three, three, three or four, four? Yes. probably probably yeah. three yeah. and um obviously we we were there to sort of get his advice about um you know how to progress with the the pregnancy with, with our son and, and the the imminent birth and his best piece of advice was get yourself a good midwife basically and when you think about it, it sounds such a, an obvious thing to say, but the thing that he tries to do with women is to put them back in touch with their instincts around the time mm. of giving birth. Because it's, if, if you 
think about how modern births tend to take place, even though obviously things have come a long way and they offer birthing pools and balls to sit on and, and, and all sorts of things. Nonetheless, um, you're still in a very artificial environment, which by and large is, is sort of brightly lit and lots of medics at hand and doctors and nurses coming in and out and doing repeated checks and all that kind of stuff. He would steer away from that completely and just allow the process to unfold naturally. And a lot of the, the women that um, gave birth at his clinic would give birth standing which and obviously there would be like an a, attendant midwife as well he would be involved with a lot of the births but he would always have um a midwife to deliver the babies as well and when you look at more um less well developed um societies and cultures a lot of the women young women still go they'll go out into the the woods the forest on their own and squat down and and just go through that process instinctively themselves yeah. and for me he was i'm not suggesting that all births can or should happen in the way i've just described but it was just that that principle of women being allowed to be instinctive about the whole process that really appealed to me and he would probably even go as far as to argue that the partners shouldn't be there either, that, that men shouldn't really be attendant at He did birth. say and that. He I, did I, say I, that, and, and it's an I interesting idea. It. I, I respected yes. it. And you did respect Yes. It turned out that I was present for, you were for present. both births. You, um, you absolutely were. I did respect that. Yes, and for me personally, not that I didn't want you there, because it was wonderful to have you there, but for me, I wanted you there to protect me from the people who were there. Yeah, fundamentally. The, ba the boundary, and that's the yes. instinct, isn't yes. it? Uh, and also for anyone yes. who might cross yes. the line well that's and, right and, um, because i didn't entirely trust the people who who were there to deliver my children unfortunately um but if you know if you are fortunate enough to be able to maybe have a home birth or decide on on the way in which you want it to take place yourself and there are no medical reasons or complications as to why you shouldn't do that then you know that this arguably is a very good way to go and yeah. it, and is this little book was certainly inspirational for yeah. us. It's a women's mystery, isn't it? It is, yes. Uh, and the men should be at the door. They should, that, yes. That, that's their instinct, yes. is to protect the boundary and to protect the people yes. who cross that boundary Absolutely. and have access to the mother. But the, the, the um, again, the culture encourages men to come in. And I have to say, and it's an awful thing to say, but men are, some men are traumatised. They are. By yeah. just being present. They are. Um, and it's not true for all, of course, it's no. not. But I think you're right to emphasise that yeah. it is a woman's mystery and maybe, yeah. you know, there's, there's some good stuff in there that, oh, we yeah, could, definitely. that we could go back and look at. And yeah, definitely. Uh, I, see I, it's I valuable. Think that, that would be useful yeah. to, to have in a future podcast and, yeah. and some depth. Again, yeah. it's about instincts and, and, and we do promote instincts we all do. the time because when people are separated from yes. them, yeah. we know this, that's when problems happen. Yeah. Don't go after archetypes. Those no. just don't. No. It's silly. No. It's immature. Mm. It's immature. Instincts are mature. They are so ancient. Mm. They're not even human in their origin. That's how mature they are. Okay, three more books that have uh, that have influenced me uh, hugely. I'll start with this one in the middle. More lives than one. The Bloxham Tapes. This was from 1976, as I recall. Um, this was very, very interesting to me. It was a BBC documentary, 
with someone who was very famous at the time, Magnus Magnuson, now deceased. He used to do Mastermind. I don't know if you ever remember or have no. heard of that. No, uh, it was a hugely pro uh, popular programme on TV. Um, he heard of this hypnotist uh, called Arnold Bloxham, uh, who was recovering past lives uh, in his subjects and uh, had recorded it on tape. And when those tapes were investigated, some information was turning up that couldn't possibly have been known, but was subsequently uh, proven through archaeology and unknown historical records. In other words, the kind of evidence that Jung claimed for archetypes, it's as valid as that, in fact, even more so, because they were digging up material facts which proven uh, or appeared at least to show a very strong correlation with the accounts produced by people uh, under hypnosis. This was one of the uh, the books that determined for me that I should follow hypnosis as far as I could go with it. Mm -hmm. I'd experimented with it, but this was so important. And also at the beginning, there's a quote from Jung as well, which um, helped me. Uh, I'll just read it out if I can. Should be able to find it. With a free and open mind, I listen attentively to the Indian doctrine of rebirth and look around in the world of my own experience to see whether somewhere and somehow there is some authentic sign pointing towards reincarnation. And you can see I've signed it 1976, which is when I got the book. Uh, I also read a eulogy from this uh, at my mother's funeral from the Bhagavad Gita. Um, oddly, the, the, um, the Church of England minister came and thanked me afterwards. I think he probably thought it was Christian. Some obscure text that he hadn't heard, but no, it was it was pure Hinduism. Um, reason being, actually, my mother bought me the book. Uh, anyway, I won't go, I won't go there because it's too emotional, probably, and perhaps inappropriate at the moment. But that that was very very important. Um, it fascinated me with respect to regression therapy and regression hypnosis about whether it could work. Um, still an important book. I know James has got a copy of it, mm -hmm. which is uh, which is really we've good. We've done some uh, past life regression for the IPSA students as well. Yes, we have. We've actually done it uh, as a demonstration with James, and we got a few very interesting results from that. We did. Um, so it's the kind of thing we look at technically on our training courses, um, and it was a demonstration film which James uh, f very kindly allowed himself to be filmed for. That's right. Stanislav Grof, one of the, the pioneers of working with psychedelic drugs in psychotherapy, uh, he's, he's quoted a lot these days. The, these books are from the 1970s, um, shows how far back uh, I personally was looking at them. Um, the Human Encounter with Death is interesting again because they talk about how some of these uh, regression hypnosis experiences uh, go beyond what could have possibly been recorded in a genome because you can't record in your genome your own death. Mm. Um, so it wasn't a case of an inherited memory in a biological sense. So that, that was fascinating. Uh, there are other people, Pauline has uh, studied, who have looked at near-death experiences, but this was one of the, uh, the salient ones that stuck out to me at the time. Um, particularly in relationship to this one here, which is Realms of the Human Unconscious, that has a lot to do with using psychedelics to 
uh, expand one's mind and explore different things. Again, because Groff is such such a man of integrity and purpose, despite me feeling um, a disinclination to think that this was a particularly legitimate way of exploring the psyche, I respected him and still do. Uh, and this is a book which, uh, along with this one, which I keep close to my heart as something that influenced me very heavily when I was younger and uh, that I have tested out as much as I can without actually using psychedelics in terms of its basic premises and whether you can achieve something similar without using mind-altering substances. Because for me, that's not authentic. If you, if you mess with your brain chemistry, uh, you have no way of validating whether that's an actual experience that would have occurred naturally uh, under an individuation process. And that's regardless of, of any consideration of mushrooms, uh, commercialised shamans in South America or anywhere else. Uh, I've done plenty of other things, uh, been involved with lots of mystery traditions and very weird, uh, Chinese usually, um, rituals, um, including conjuring up spirits and gods and, and, and uh, demon possession and all that stuff. Been through all of that. Uh, you don't need psychedelics to access the, that stuff. But again, I would say this, this, this is a, a landmark book in this particular field and has overlap with regression hypnosis and all the different altered states of consciousness. So, yeah, I'd recommend them. Just a, a couple more for the ladies. This one is um, The Wounded Woman by Linda Shirtsey Leonard, I think it's pronounced, um, healing the uh, father-daughter relationship. That's that one there. And the father complex. And the father uh, complex, tradition. yes, absolutely. And um, this one is about female initiation um, by Banny Shorter, oh, yeah. a Jungian therapist called a, An Image Darkly Forming. Can I just add that she is also interviewed in Young, The Wisdom of the Dream, Banny Shorter. Yes. If, if you want to see her in, yeah. in her own words. Yeah. I mean, obviously, what people enjoy to read is very personal, really, isn't it? And the way in which things are written as well. This is probably a little bit more structured. This is a bit loose. Again, both of them have case studies in, uh, which are always illustrative, I think, in terms of um, allowing people to understand the theory more fully. There's some reference to instincts in this one as well, although they don't, Jungians by and large don't, tend not to develop the idea of instincts. No. They kind of get there and then move away from it, which is a great shame, really. It's yeah. as if they know that it should be addressing them. Yeah. The, but they don't quite... There's a historical reason, yes. isn't there, for that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you want me to mention Yes, yeah. please do, okay. yeah. The problem comes about when Freud and Jung split. Mm. Uh, Freud was so heavily identified with instinct, um, and then there's an overlap, which you can get in um, Freud's five essays from Clark University in 1909. Uh, he went there with Jung and several other psychoanalysts, uh, and in those papers uh, and in those presentations Freud mentions Jung's theory of complexes very favorably and puts them into the right kind of light where they should have sat within Freud's model and would have expanded Freud's model but they, mm. they broke away soon after and they broke away over Jung's and this is well known of course over his uh, theory of the, a collective psyche and the fact that or the belief Perhaps it is a fact that uh, for, for Jung, that uh, libido was not purely sexual. 
It's unfair to say of Freud that he thought that libido was purely sexual. It was in service of sexuality, in other words, of biological reproduction. That's a different emphasis than saying everything is sex. Uh, but that's the common misconception that people have received uh, through the culture that Freud was sex-obsessed. He wasn't, far from it. But the problem is when they split, they fell out so acrimoniously that they had to separate from one another completely. Uh, Freud effectively uh, denied that complexes had any value at all, so they disappear from psychoanalysis. And Jung underrates and undervalues instincts immediately in favour of his new concept of archetypes. So the people who follow on from Freud likewise have undervalued complexes. People who follow Jung have subsequently have likewise undervalued instincts, apart from Anthony Stevens and some of the others who are developing mm. and coming through now in terms of instinct anyway. Sorry, Lost. Oh, no, you're all right. Just that's historical okay. context. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's important, isn't it? And it's part of the frustration, really, of reading some of these texts and that they go so far and no further. Yeah. But you will find reference to, to instinctive behaviour in them. Mm. Uh, I think out of the two, but again, like I said, it's a very personal thing, what, what you find informative. I, I would probably recommend that book over that one yeah, if you were I, to make a purchase I'd, I'd agree yeah. this, this has seemed to be very practical it hasn't is it? very practical for the women that you've worked it with is. over the years it, it I, is I, I, um, and then to complete the, the trio this one's called Female Rage by Murray Valentis and Anne Devane and um, again quite a lot of good stuff in there about instincts um, the two authors the two ladies um who have uh, written the book uh, have a background in in literature oh, and right. um, it is it is because uh, my understanding is that they're not actually practicing therapists as such but they they've gone and spoken to practicing therapists and and, and discussed their perspective on things and i think there's quite a few references actually to um Clarissa Pinkola, Estes' work that we mentioned earlier in connection with Women Who Run With The Walls, references to her work, so there's quite a bit of overlap. And um, the other thing that I found interesting in, in, in this one too is that there's an exhibition, uh, an exposition, I should say, of um, the um, myth surrounding Medusa and we, we use that mm. imagery a lot don't we mother for slaying the mother complex so mm. for anybody who wants to understand a little bit more about the background to that and the severed head and, and so mm. on and um, how that links with uh, feminine psychology that it's actually in this particular text so it's quite yeah. interesting mm. yeah. yeah excellent that's a nice little trio very different uh, backgrounds yes and that's right yeah, yeah. I, I often feel I don't know if you'd agree Paul yeah. um, it's more from my other sort of specialism yeah. that's uh, Narrative-based creatives, in other words, writers often have a, a far better understanding of the psyche than psychotherapists, and yeah, certainly uh, of academic psychologists, mm. because by engaging with a narrative in a creative way, a fully creative way, not a prescriptive way, as in a soap opera or in a sort of a low-grade sort of a t television or film production, uh, you are fully engaging with, with the natural turf of archetypes as cultural representations. Mm because you have to create the whole narrative, everything has to be in there. So writers do need to understand the through line, which is basically your individuation journey uh, and the nature of emotion and engagement between people and between people and their environment. Mm. So a good writer has mm. to naturally understand all of that 
and they don't need knowledge of psychology to do it. No. In fact, an academic psychological background would be mm. contraindicated for creativity. Yeah. Deaf psychology, great. Your academic psychology, no. I would say, uh, as preparations. Sorry to... Uh, no, no, not, uh, not, no, not at all. I, I think that's absolutely the case. And obviously they've, they've had to go out, like you say, to to uh, practising therapists to, to get that psychological inf yes. information. Yeah. Um, but but it does, it gives a different kind of perspective on things. There's quite a bit in, in this one too about Freudian psychoanalysis as well, yeah. interestingly. Um, but it, it's, it's delivered in such a way that it's... Um, Although it's quite a technical book in parts, it's still quite an easy read as well, and that's mm. probably because of the background of the because authors. Of the yeah. yeah. Just to put it into some context, what, what, what I've just been saying is uh, this is D.H. Lawrence, <coughs> Fantasia of the Unconscious and Psychoanalysis and the Unconscious. So there is a, a globally acknowledged great writer mm. talking about psychoanalysis. Who was the wiser? Mm. I wonder. The psychoanalysts or D.H. Lawrence? Yeah. Good question. Wonderful, wonderful. This is just wonderful. Um, because of that syncretism of the human spirit in one book, absolutely fantastic. Biographies of, of uh, Freud and Jung. This is my favourite for Freud uh, by Ronald W. Clark. Uh, Freud, the Man and the Cause from 1984, I think. Um, I don't know if you can still get it, but this is brilliant. Uh, he was a great oh, uh, biographer, uh, Ronald Clark. I think he did one on Einstein that was, was considered a classic. This is a classic as well. Um, knowing which biographies to go to is very important. So in balance of that, I'll just show you a couple from uh, Young. Got several. Remember Anthony Stevens' one from earlier on is, is excellent in its own way. Um, Skip's going again. <laughs> uh, where are we now? Vincent Brown. That's a good one. And this one. Go hard work. This is um, this is a very orthodox sort of Jungian one, uh, which will be recognised by the canon. It is good. There's no doubt about that. That is a good biography of Jung. This though is one of my favourites. Um, Vincent Brome, uh, Young Man and Myth. Vincent Brome was a very popular writer. He wasn't a specialist in uh, depth psychology or psychology in general, but he was a really good popular biographer. So he's picked up and condensed a lot of facts which in an easy, easily digestible form, but at the same time it's informative. Um, so I would say that one and that one for Jung and this one for Freud, uh, along with Anthony Stevens' uh, book. Mm. Uh, four biographies of those two absolutely brilliant uh we're coming to the end of part one james told me just just a moment ago off camera uh and there's just one thing i would i would like to end on um i haven't mentioned anything from edward edinger or james hillman uh, or mary louise von franz but their works are on the shelves the reason i'm not recommending them is twofold one is that you can get this stuff you don't need somebody like me to uh point them out. Mm -hmm. I was just going to make uh, a quick recommendation for everybody. That's all. Just <gasps> wanted to. There we go. Well, you could you could call this it's a pride of place. You, you you could call that a biography, because uh, that is part of the true canon of Carl Jung's personal myth. That is its relevance. That's its containing vessel as well. But anyway, where was I? <laughs> <laughs>
before you uh, trigger. Oh yeah, we've got, I've got loads of stuff by James Hillman, Edward Adinger, Marie Louise von Franz, all the stuff that you can get on the internet yourself in PDF form, all the rest of it. So that's one reason why I've not uh, recommended it. The second reason is that I've no use for it. In all honesty, after 47, nearly 48 years of studying Carl Jung, I have no interest or desire anymore on the works of Edward Edinger, Marie Louise von Franz or James Hillman. I'm sorry, but I don't find any relevance or use for them in my own life or in the life of people I work with um, as a therapist. Uh, there are better people out there uh, who are more reality orientated. The danger of following those three too closely is the common one, uh, the common pathology that you can experience with uh, you're smirking at. Uh, the common you're still smirking, aren't you? Oh, yeah. the, the, the common pathology that you get with people who follow Jung is uh, is the trap of archetypal reductionism and inflation that comes from that, and how you get distracted uh, from the realities of life and into that fantasy, that fantasy of these very powerful, seductive and inductive hypnotic images that gets produced in works like this if you really want to develop yourself and have an orientation to reality you need to what's going on now <laughs> lots of naughty things i think where's my gun Paul? <laughs> <laughs> i'll shoot the book not james yeah. if, if he happens to be holding it over a vital organ well that's well, just uh, <laughs> take the bullet for me <laughs> best use for it yeah yeah there's, there's plenty of that stuff out there if you if you want to indulge in this go ahead go ahead you're wasting your time you really are wasting your time um, but you don't have to listen to that piece of advice from an old fart like me who's <laughs> spent, as I say, 47 years of his life studying this stuff. And even before that, I was studying Freud, analysing my own dreams, uh, connected to creativity, and I've worked with thousands of patients. But, you know, that's just, an, that's just a personal opinion. Don't bother with this. It's a trap. Yeah. Don't. You do not need it. You need the kind of things that Pauline... Well, even that. That's a better biography. That's a better one. Yeah, that, 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 that's someone who lived an authentic yeah. life, albeit brief, yes. and fully created himself and, yes. and brought pleasure to a lot yeah. of people. And informed uh, your uh, writing. And informed a lot of my writing as well. And, and guess <laughs> what? I'm, guess what? I am not a Queen fan in the ordinary sense. Pauline was. Uh, in fact, I met her when she was watching a Queen concert on telly and spoils it for her. You did um, indeed. I, I have she... since forgiven you. Oh, have you? I, yes, I, I, I have. Didn't, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. It's nice have. to have that confirmed. <laughs> Uh, I, I wouldn't call myself a Queen fan, but I massively respect them. And one of the things I respect is this man as a creative. Yes, definitely. And I think coming from someone who is not a fan as such mm. of them, that gives it an authenticity, I hope, uh, from the heart, that that man was a, was a wonderful creative and exemplar of how to live a full life, even though it was brief. It was imperfect, yeah. but, but that doesn't matter, and does it? compared to that... Sorry, that, that's a far more interesting and creative and productive life who has reached far more people and helped them to live a, a, a fulfilling life. So um, I was completely ambushed there by Sorry, both of them, wasn't I? <laughs> Absolutely typical, typical. Anyway, I'll just remove uh, Ion for now. We will be returning to that. Vincent Brougham's biography of Jung is very good. Ronald Clark's biography of Freud is classic. Mm. Gerhard Wehr's um, orthodox biography of, um, of Jung is also very good. And Anthony Stevens' um, book is excellent because he puts it into Jung's own model of lifespan development. Very cleverly written. So that's enough of a rant from me, and it's enough of a rant from him. So what the f
Censor that, censor that. It's the two Ronnies, for those of you who are old enough to see it, or, or remember the two Ronnies. You remember them, don't you? I do indeed. Yeah. yeah. Which is which? Who's... Well, I'm the, I'm the shorter one, so that makes me Ronnie Corbett. Corbett yeah. That makes you Ronnie Barker. <laughs> but then he was a funny one. Yeah. Thanks, well, everyone. Thank you. Well, indeed. Indeed, absolutely. Well, narcissism just broke out, didn't it? Like a fart around the room. But there you go. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for watching this episode of Young to Live By. If you haven't already, make sure you download our free PDF for integrating your shadow. It includes the most advanced theory on the topic available anywhere on the internet, as well as a full practical breakdown. If you've ever wanted to integrate your shadow, this is honestly the way to do it. Thanks again for watching and take care.